0: The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4174 of The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world, for the week beginning 23rd of November 2020. I am Andy Zaltzman. You're just going to have to trust me on that if that's okay. If you're still not convinced, ask the person currently nearest you if they are Andy Zaltzman. They won't be. You can therefore rule them out, making it statistically more likely that I am... Andy Zaltzman, the numbers don't lie. We are recording on Friday, the twenty-third of November, twenty twenty. Not long to go now, people. Just 41 sleeps until we're not in the shittest year of our lives so far. (laughs) With uh, all due respect to our older listeners who may have lived through two world wars, the Age of (laughs) Empire, Black Death, the Flood and the Asteroid. Anyway, it's going to make a nice change. I've forgotten what it's like. Hopefully 2021 does not complacent and start showboating after the first month or so. Now, joining me to carve the events of the past week into the indelible audio marble slabs of history... Uh, we have Nish Kumar, and for the first time on the Bugle since giving birth, watch and learn, Nish. It's Felicity Ward.
1: <laughs> Hi, Andy. Nish, you should watch and learn. This is how you give birth. I hope you do it. In, I hope you do it in the next couple of weeks. All right, roll the tape. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Felicity's great, great, great to have you back. How's uh, how's motherhood treating you?
1: He's one. He was one about two days ago. So yep. uh, look, motherhood is very complex. On the one hand, I love my son more than anyone I've ever met. No offence. He's my favourite person that I've ever met. He's my best friend. The same time, postnatal depression can suck an absolute dick. It really can just take it in the back of the throat or the eye, I don't mind which one, and get to f**k. Can we swear on this show? Now, it feels like a late time to ask the question. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll run with it yep. well, Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly enough Ordinarily I would be bleeping out the f- But not the go suck a dick I think yeah. our rules are inconsistent <laughs>
1: No I think intuitively that's correct
3: <laughs> Chris has spent too much time Working with the BBC <laughs> Censorship policies are confusing And contradictory
1: Sounds like he's been working with CBBs If you know what I mean Why don't you grow a pair Chris <laughs>
3: Not this year. No, not this year. My mother claims that she's been suffering from uh, postnatal depression for 35 years. Yeah. But she fairly, squarely blames that on my door.
1: I don't want to take sides with your mum, but I will. Um, no, I now motherhood is very good, but there was a long time that it was very hard. But there were some other things going on as well. I'm sure we've all had a cracking 2020. Um and so this was very much the icing right. on the cake. He
0: was basically born almost on the day that the coronavirus came into existence, I think.
1: He is the coronavirus. Right, he absolutely. is patient zero.
0: <laughs> right.
1: He is a bat.
0: We're finally getting
3: the truth of
0: this Breaking
1: news, story. world exclusive, <laughs> my son is a bat.
3: <laughs> How's Flick? Oh, yeah, I heard she gave birth to a Chinese bat. Really weird, actually. <laughs> yeah, really weird.
1: But you know, really she's, a, weird. she's a charismatic lady. It doesn't. She's unpredictable. I get it. Sounds on brand.
3: <laughs> I mean, I've met the father, and from what I can tell, he's not a Chinese bat. So I'm not really sure how it's happened.
1: <laughs> oh, that's the frustrating thing. Yeah. He looks my my son. His name's Frankie. He looks so much like my husband, Chris. I'm not entirely sure that he's my son, except for the fact <laughs> that I distinctly remember him coming out of me. <laughs>
0: Well early on in the bugle i I told a story of delivering my own uh my own child uh in the bathroom uh, oh my you, God. I guess you you didn't you didn't go for that option
1: no, but I did have a moment where uh, if you if you've done a um an antenatal class or a prenatal class, which is somehow the same thing that makes no <laughs> sense um antenatal sounds like no I'm not having a baby um <laughs> So, they, in all those classes, they tell you about your water breaking. They're like, look, in Hollywood films, the water goes everywhere. It's this huge deal. Sometimes people don't even know that their water is broken. Sometimes they, the doctors have to break the water in hospital um, <laughs> to give, so that the baby can come out. And so that's what they're like, it's just isn't. An... <laughs> anyway, I woke up at like three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh, I've got to go to the toilet. The water broke, and then it just kept breaking until the baby was born. In, in in waves, in undulating right. waves. It doesn't just go, oh, the water's breaking. Oh, you're going to have a baby soon. You can just be like, oh, the water's breaking. Oh, no contractions. Oh, okay. And then like six hours later, just shh. <laughs> and you're like, is this supposed to keep, How, am I drowning from the inside? Like, am I dying? I don't know. Nobody told me. Nobody told me. <laughs> just a heads up for anyone that's pregnant and listening.
3: I've said it before, and I've and I'll say it again. It's a truly disgusting miracle.
0: <laughs> so many miracles are. You should have seen the state of Lazarus. Um,
1: disgusting. Um,
0: I know when uh, when I was um, uh, uh, running point on the uh, the birth of our second child.
1: Um, was this one or two? I'm assuming two.
0: This was number two, number two. Yeah. number one. I was very much in a. Um, I don't know an advisory uh, capacity. <laughs> you know, it was a sort of fact-finding mission more than anything else. <laughs> Backseat um, driver. Yeah, uh, very much uh, just standing in the corner of a uh, delivery suite, weeping. Um, but yeah. um, and uh, all, what I mostly remember is how much a birth can disrupt one's uh, enjoyment of a test match on the radio. Mm. Uh, uh, sure, really yeah. disruptive.
1: Yeah. Uh, just a, a spare a thought for all the partners out there yeah. that can no longer enjoy test cricket because of yeah. birth. Yeah, well, It, it was, must be really hard again, for you. Again,
0: not something that was covered in the antenatal classes. Today, the 23rd of November, is Absurdity Day. Uh, it's World Absurdity Day uh, created to mark all the ridiculous things in the world. The off-the-wall, the the baffling and the bonkers. And we will be celebrating Absurdity Day here at The Bugle by just looking at what's been happening in the world for the past week. Um, I'm not sure that's what's supposed to be uh, the point of world Absurdity Day, (laughs) but it seems entirely appropriate. As always, the section of The Bugle is going straight in the bin this week. Uh, Christmas tech gifts section, the new Apple Eye eyelids, the new smart tech accessory for the insides of your eyelids that mean you can still consume social media while snoozing, sleeping, blinking, squinting into a particularly aggressive sunset, in a coma or dead. And in a particularly uh, a typically witty Apple design feature, the uh, smooth, edges-obsessed tech design uh, giants have uh, picked up on the eye-eye part of the product's uh, title and designed the eye eyelid lid in the shape of a pirate, so it is functionally unbelievable but an uncomfortable wear for the eye. Uh, also, uh, Proboskets uh, have, have got a new piece of kit out. Obviously, one of the world's leading makers of nose tech over the last few years with products such as the Proboscate Olfax, which sends a printable description of what you're currently smelling to friends, family, and work colleagues. And they just launched the new uh, controversial uh, PK Celebrity Snouts, which enables you to smell exactly what uh, their featured partner celebrities are smelling at that very moment. And that's uh, well, not necessarily an, an, an enjoyable thing,
3: depending on who your chosen celebrities are. Uh, that section... In the bin. Andy, you nearly made the ultimate Freudian slip of this entire podcast (laughs) by starting the podcast by saying, and this section of the bin is going straight in the bugle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Top story this week, Rudolph Giuliani's face. Now, this clearly is the most important story, uh, not just of this week, but maybe of... Of all time. And we choose to lead with this story, Buglers, not because it was the most important thing in the world this week. Far from it. I mean, that would be like focusing on a fly, repeatedly hurling itself into a closed window over and over again until it concussed itself to death uh, in a documentary over the growing biodiversity crisis in the natural world. I mean, it's not (laughs) fundamentally that relevant. We chose to lead with this story not because it was the funniest, because at its heart, it's a story about the willful deliberate, shameless desecration of the already repeatedly violated husk of American democracy, which in itself is not laugh-out-loud funny, although obviously the Giuliani face incident was in itself f***ing hilarious. No, we chose to lead with this story, if I may quote John F. Kennedy, not because it is easy, but because it is hard not to. Uh, it's <laughs> hair dye rolling down a sweating stupid <laughs> fucking face for f- sake what did you expect us to do uh, we choose to leave with this story because I would argue that this moment Nish and uh, Felicity I would argue that this moment summed up Trumpian America more mm. than any other and that's also summed up planet earth third millennium phase one better than anything a desperate flailing old man's hair dye, being so disgusted with being in proximity to the words spewing out of his mouth that it made a break for freedom. It said, (laughs) I cannot be on this head any longer.
3: (laughs) Now, Karl Marx... No doubt. Very smart chap. But he did uh, fail to foresee a few things. Uh, The main two being that people would not uh, overthrow the shackles of capitalism because even as it ravaged their lives, McDonald's simply tasted too delicious. Uh, And number two beard trimmers. But Marx <laughs> also failed to foresee something very important. Uh, he uh, built on Hegel's idea in a quote that's often misquoted when attributed to him, because uh, it's mis- misquoted as history repeats itself, uh, first as tragedy, then as, as fast. But he wasn't actually talking about history itself, he was talking about historical figures. There's often a person who is a sort of tragic figure, and then another person who comes after them who fulfills a similar function initially, but then turns out to be a bit of a joke, right? What he did not foresee is that Rudy Giuliani would repeat himself first as tragedy and then as farce. First, he was the tragic figure who squandered his post 9-11 goodwill on a disastrous presidential campaign and then becoming an apologist for a racist game show's presidency. And then the last six months... He is descended into a farce, but not a classy farce like Moliere or a particularly booky episode of Frasier. I'm talking about a gross farce. I'm talking about Van Wilder party liaison, dumb and dumber pet detective farce where he gets tricked by Borat, books a warehouse next to a sex shop for a speech about the presidential election and then makes another speech where the hair dye runs down his head and makes it look like a bird diarrhoea on his face. And that bird... I'm not that but it was not regulation diarrhea that bird ate an industrial quantity of hot sauce covered bran flakes and then washed the whole thing down with a glass of prune juice and human shit I I've have, I have heard of donated organs rejecting their host I've never heard of a hair dye rejecting its host hair <laughs>
1: I didn't think it was hair dye. I just thought it was black blood streaming from his ears as his skin came into contact with daylight. I just... Surely we're done as human beings, aren't we? Like, we're just so. done. Yeah. I know that Biden won over Trump. Obviously, that's not a great thing for everyone, but because Biden is definitely the less of two awful, awful people. But shouldn't, at every press conference, Rudy Giuliani does, there should be three people still asking... Um, I know you're talking about some Hugo Chavez madness and your scalp seems to be melting, but can we just clear up once more why you went into the hotel bedroom of a minor for cocktails and then tucked your shirt in in a masturbatory way and only stopped when Borat entered the room? Number one, imagine Borat being the reason you stopped behaving crudely. If he is your moral compass, we are absolutely f***ed. We're f***ed. And listening to Giuliani, I don't know if you saw the whole thing, Rudy Giuliani reenacted a scene from My Cousin Vinny
2: as
1: as part of his defence. Why does that sentence exist? It's just like, that wasn't just a weak argument. It was as painful and boring as any old person trying to describe a movie they once saw. Like (laughs) like it's never, that's never a cogent argument. That's never a one-two blow. It was like... You know that one, uh, my cousin, Fizzy? No, Vinny. He held up two fingers. From Brooklyn. That's why I'm like him. The lady couldn't see the fingers. Anyway, the people were further away than that. What the f*** are you talking about, Rudy? (laughs) Go and have a glass of water and mop your hairline while you're there, please. Also, not sure if you saw the whole press conference... But the law- lawyer who was on before Giuliani, I'm assuming she's a part of their elite strike force team, is talking about, she's talking about how communism is tearing down the American voters, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, she looks like Carol Baskin from Tiger King, and that's all I want to say on the matter. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that, that was uh, Sidney Powell, I think, the, the Trump attorney, who made s- some uh, extraordinary suggestions that essentially Hugo Chavez, the late lunatic lefty, who he's back. He's back. He featured quite prominently in the early years of the Bugle uh, before doing the decent thing and dying in 2013. But not before... He had won the 2020 US election for Joe Biden, it turns out, because according to Giuliani and uh, Sidney Powell, uh, there were voting systems, and I'm quoting directly here, the Dominion voting systems, the Smartmatic technology software, and the software that goes into other computerised voting systems here, uh, these are the words of Sidney Powell, not just Dominion, were created in Venezuela at the direction of Hugo Chavez to make sure he never lost an election after one constitutional referendum came out of the way. He did not want it to come out. Now, let us emphasise that that what Sidney Powell said is partly true. It's true up to the words, were created. And then it very much jumps (laughs) off the fact train into a disused canal. I mean, Dominion has no links to Venezuela. Smartmatic was founded by Venezuelan entrepreneurs based in the USA who have been critical of the Venezuelan regime. And the companies are competitors with no corporate links. I mean, in terms of all the the sort of lunatic conspiracies that we've that we've enjoyed if indeed that is the right word which it which it isn't recently i mean this is this is spectacular i mean they're getting it's almost artistically creative i don't think most conspiracy theorists would have even seen They're like kind of spanish midfielders
3: picking out passes <laughs> that english players don't even see her on
1: <laughs> grab your bear eyes, everyone
3: to quote LL Cool J, don't call it a comeback. Chavez is back. Who else is he in league with? Bin Laden, Princess Diana, only time, and indeed Rudy Giuliani will tell.
1: <laughs> and welcome Trump's new vice president, it's Elvis.
3: <laughs> yes, the Presley Shakur ticket is going to be pretty big for the Republicans in 2024.
1: Uh, he's not the president, he's the Presley <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you, Andy. If you can, you can rely on a bad pun coming from this guy. I'm never going to leave you hanging. As
3: the one of the many extraordinary things about the my cousin Vinny reference is that um, Giuliani sort of he says that he likes it. This is a direct quote. Did you all watch my cousin Vinny? And I mean, I imagine everyone that gathered there was thinking yes. In 1992, are you are you about to ask us our favourite episode of The Fresh Prince? Uh, was it a chat-up? Are we misinterpreting it? It was
0: just, just like an awkward chat-up line at a bar. <laughs>
3: yeah, he says it's one of his favourite lore movies, uh, which first of all is an interesting subcategory, but also it's one of his favourite lore movies because the character is from Brooklyn. That's his entire reasoning for his enjoyment of My Cousin Vinny. But my favourite detail about it is the scene that he's referencing is when Joe Pesci's character uh, holds up two fingers and moves further away to try and illustrate that a witness who claims that they saw the crime being committed couldn't have seen it because they were too far away, right? But in in illustrating that scene, Rudy Giuliani said these people, referring to the poll observers, were further away than My Cousin Vinny was from the witnesses. Now, this means one of two things – Either Rudy Giuliani believes that he is related by blood to the character or Rudy Giuliani doesn't understand how films work and thinks the main character of Inception is a man called John Inception.
1: Imagine that being your favourite law movie. Let's get back to that. Like he's not going to pick Legally Blonde? A Few Good Men? Come on, mate. There's so many law movies. To Kill a Mockingbird? Anyone? (laughs) Not going to choose that one, is he? It's got a black person in it. Yucky, he would think. Yucky.
0: 12 Angry Men, incidentally,
3: the the core target demographic for the Trump campaign.
1: (laughs) 12 Angry Men,
3: yeah. Rudy Giuliani's favourite law movie is the first 20 minutes of To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh,
0: Sydney Powell said some other extraordinary, uh, extraordinary things. Uh, she claimed that the software's most... Uh, one of its most characteristic features is is its ability to flip votes. It can set and run an algorithm that probably, she said, ran all over the country to take a certain percentage of votes uh, from Trump and flip them to Biden, which it did, apart from the fact that it did not. Uh, mm. Not in reality, anyway. Mm. I don't know how many dimensions <laughs> they're operating on at the moment. Um, and uh, And also, it wasn't... I don't think you really can blame... The, you know an algorithm for flipping votes from Trump to Biden. I think the reason votes flipped from Trump to Biden is uh, Trump uh, being an enormous vote flipping. C- mm. um, that could be a factor. <laughs> Earlier in the week, uh, Powell told Fox Business she was going to quote release the Kraken. Um, the Kraken is uh, a legendary giant squid like sea monster from ancient Norse sagas. And to be honest, that was the most believable thing anyone in Trump's legal shit squad has said since the election. I mean, they're more likely to unveil a gargantuan killer Scandinavian mythical octopus than find enough evidence to overturn the election result. It, it might even be a sign of a willingness to row back on some of their more outlandish claims. And she also claimed that Trump had be- beaten Biden. By a landslide, by a landslide. (laughs) reminiscent of when Pompeii beat Mount Vesuvius by an absolute <laughs> pyroclastic surge. Even Tucker Carlson on Fox has blasted Giuliani and Powell for a lack of evidence. And when you are getting criticised by Tucker Carlson, for some, you know it is time to put your fishing rod back in the bag, pack up your sandwiches, fold up your stool, put all your kit back in your bag, climb one way or, or other back out of the whale's intestine and admit that your fishing trip has not gone
3: well. It's like being accused of unethical business practices by Lex Luthor. (laughs) The guy is the king of baseless nonsense. I think, and I might be on slightly legally shaky ground here, but I think Tucker Carlson was able to legally defend himself in court by claiming that no one takes anything he says
2: seriously. (laughs) I think (laughs) Chris may need to check that to stop us from getting sued. I have indeed fact-checked this, and I mean, f*** it, there's nothing else to do, and uh, indeed it is correct, and you'll find uh, at least one link in the show notes.
3: I can't believe Trump's legal attempts to overturn the election result are being stymied when his principal lawyer is a man who was tricked by Borat, and whose entire legal education seems to be from the film My Cousin Vinny.
1: (laughs) How has this possibly happened? I mean, 2020. I mean, to, to return
0: to the more important issue, uh, the hair dye running down his face, <laughs> I mean, uh, I thought... I mean, is this a tectonic fault line opening in Rudy Giuliani's cheek? And if so, does not... <laughs> isn't that the thing that would symbolise this millennium? So, was he sweating pure, dark guilt? Or was there <laughs> a heroic army of ants marching <laughs> down his face to crawl across to his mouth and somehow <laughs> knit it shut with their ant corpses. Um, It was truly extraordinary, but an old man verbally thrashing against reality, a half-wit Houdini, trying and failing to escape from a perfectly normal overcoat that he's deliberately put on back to front with one single button done up. Giuliani has now completed his gradual, determined metamorphosis into a visibly melting man mirage, cocooned in an inescapable prism of his own explosive delusions, manuring the fertile soil of demagoguery with the mammoth shit of conf- confected conspiracy, a part ghost, part toad manifestation of the flaws and dangers of our politics, media and economics, with hair dye running down his face. Fake hues, everyone! Fake hues, <laughs> Spluttering down his furious cheeks like a weeping <laughs> physical metaphor for modern America. So that's why this was the, the top story this week.
3: I would also say that as much as, obviously, it's intrinsically hilarious and everything about it is ridiculous... And offensive and disgusting. It could still work. What (laughs) about the last four years? I I am slightly amazed when I see people saying, "Oh, this is—it's you know, Biden's won the election. What's the big deal?" I'm old enough to remember Al Gore winning an election (laughs) and the Supreme Court turning around and going, "Uh, "Yeah, it turns out you actually lost, even (laughs) though you got the most votes." So there's no reason to assume. That when it comes to actually selecting the electors, because the process by which they could steal this election effectively is by having the electors who get sent to the electoral college replaced by Republican-favoring state legislatures. And if you don't think that could happen, you have not been paying enough attention to the last four years. This is a critical moment for American democracy. And like a storm cloud that's shaped like an ass or a mild burning sensation when you pee, just because it involves things, brackets, butts and penises, that are inherently funny and seem ridiculous, doesn't mean it isn't something about which you should be deeply, deeply concerned. (laughs) American democracy needs to go to the STD clinic and get its dick checked because it might be about to be in a lot of f***ing trouble.
1: It, it could be beetroot or it could be the death of democracy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: A quick bit of breaking news before we move on. Uh, Slightly related to that story. The International Association of Fact Checkers uh, has announced a global strike and called on the United Nations to impose a maximum allowance of 15 lies per leader per day, plus an optional extra 20 lies to be perpetrated by official spokespeople and or lawyers. Um, They've uh, complained about inhuman working conditions and brutally long hours. So, uh, our thoughts... Oh, with all of them. (laughs) Britain news now, and we're back. Britain is back. Britannia is going to rule the waves again, thanks to our glorious king, Boris Johnson, announcing a new plan to make uh, Britain once again Europe's foremost naval power. uh, Nish, you are, of course, the Bugles' uh, naval warfare correspondent, (laughs) a role which I know you take extremely seriously um
3: no yeah i do i do take it i do take it incredibly seriously um yeah andy it's absolutely unbelievable news because boris johnson has taken one look at the things that are threatening britain today he's taken one look in the year of our lord brackets s for the polytheists amongst us 2020 and he has said you know what we need Is a once in a generation modernization of the armed forces. (laughs) At last, we are going to be arming ourselves. And why? Guess what? We're about to shoot the coronavirus right in its (laughs) fing mouth. (laughs) For too long, this virus, this, I'll say it, piece of shit, has been running roughshod (laughs) over us, and it's time for us to tool up and strike back. It's time. For us to get an Uzi, turn it sideways, gangster style, and absolutely unload a clip full right in this airborne virus's goddamn face.
1: (laughs) Oh, mate.
3: It's an absolutely inexplicable piece of of jingoistic dick swinging that helps... Absolutely no one. Uh, and unfortunately, couldn't have been worse timed, uh, given that this morning there is a breaking news story that the Chancellor Rishi Sunak is uh, potentially about to announce a, st- a series of cost-cutting measures by pay-freezing public sector workers, including the care workers that are quite literally keeping people alive. But at the end of the day, you don't need that if you're armed to the f- <laughs> If you've got a headache... How better to cure it than by having your head blown off by a sawed-off shotgun?
1: Problem solved. Problem solved. You can't have a headache if you don't have a head. Think it through, liberals. (laughs) It's not to say that they can't spend money on defence, although that's not where I would spend the money. Some people believe that you should, but... If you're going to spend money on defence, then you have to be able to spend money on other things as well. You can't then cut other things and go, oh, I'm sorry, because it's not – we don't need it right now. Think, so what I'm saying is I have proposed a list of things that they should fund instead or at okay. the same time. Number one, keeping the Christmas lights up until March. yeah not because i love christmas but because winter and the darkness is very hard in the first three months of the year and 2020 has somehow been worse than the year that alan rickman prince george michael and david bowie died so a little bit of extra light isn't (laughs) going to hurt anyone and also make them sad lights as in seasonal affective disorder lights because depression is real and long now (laughs) number two more animal shows on tv yeah? Well, Remember in the 80s rare. and the 90s and there was yep. just always just random kids shows featuring a very nervous vet as a guest and then some rare endangered animals and everyone's like, yeah, we're happy to put it in front of a live studio audience with 200 <laughs> screaming children and un- unregulated lighting. And then they'd <laughs> urinate on everything and the host would be like getting tetanus. We'd all last. It's just a bit more of that, you know? That's what I think this year needs. And finally... Uh, I'd like the government to invest in a campaign to make the phrase, sorry, the place is such a mess, when (laughs) your place is not actually a mess, illegal. (laughs) (laughs) I have been to people's places a long time ago who had three kids under five and the house was spotless and they were embarrassed or pretending to be embarrassed and they were like, oh, yeah, sorry, the place is a mess. Well, you know what? My flat's a shithole and I have a cleaner. (laughs) 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 I think it's wise money spent
0: A metaphor for Britain In the other government spending uh, news uh, Due to budgetary constraints Government backed projects tackling the bullying Of LGBTQ plus students In England schools have had their funding pulled Um That's, uh, that funding was four million pounds over six years. Or to put that in context, 18 hours worth of the Trident nuclear deterrent, and that's just the annual operating cost of Trident, not the the whole outlay uh, or even usage of it. That's just it existing. Uh, but we can't afford we can't afford four million pounds to prevent. Bullying, but I guess it's consistent, isn't it? Uh, If if government's bullying strategy, yeah, they've kept Priti Patel on as Home Secretary, who's found to have bullied civil servants. It would be hypocritical to pretend they give a shit about bullying in schools. (laughs)
1: Look, I think if if one group of people have had it too good for too long, (laughs) it is (laughs) LGBTQI children. You know. When are we going to stop yeah. supporting them? We, we've thrown everything. I mean, they're kids. They're in high school. They know how to write. What else do you want?
3: It's <laughs> about time someone took those <laughs> down a peg or two. Right? Yeah, and I don't think I trust anyone more with that community than the Prime Minister <laughs> who once used the phrase tank top bum boys. <laughs> so. To be fair, if there's one thing Boris Johnson knows about, it's bullying LGBTQIA people. It, it, it takes a thief to catch a thief. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, the Pretty Patel bullying story has uh, also uh, has also come. Uh... It's also reared its ugly head. And uh, let me tell you, as someone who has uh, spent 35 years being bullied by a woman of South Asian descent, let me tell you, it's no fun. Uh, But in my case, at least my mother also used to make me dinner. So, you know, for me, there was at least some carrot, sometimes quite literally, to go with the stick.
1: (laughs) When I read the headlines about her bullying, I'm like, are you telling me the woman who looks like she post-coitally rips the head off her sexual partner has been (laughs) bullying people? Well, that just sounds very unlikely. I watched an interview this morning where Health Secretary Matt Hancock stared down the barrel of the Sky News camera and said Miss Patel was incredibly courteous. He must have been relieved that he's had to lie about the government's Covid response for so long, so it made it really easy calling pretty Patel courteous and respectful. He almost made it look sincere. Jacob Rees-Moggs on Twitter, not quite understanding the call to rally for pretty support, called her formidable. I think that's the problem, Jakey boy. She is (laughs) formidable.
3: And she's been repeatedly uh, described as being demanding. Now, the idea of somebody being demanding uh, is not, you know, a bad in of itself. It just depends on what you're demanding. Because if what you're demanding is the highest standards possible from your co-workers, then it's all good. But if what you're demanding is your co-workers' lunch money on threat of getting a full wedgie, that is not (laughs) fine. (laughs) But Boris Johnson has said he will stand by Priti Patel, and uh, in a leaked text message that's uh, doing the rounds in the British papers uh, on their websites at the moment, said that the government needs to protect the Pritster. Now, I'll be honest, <laughs> what I heard Boris Johnson had described a high ranking South Asian member of his cabinet. That was not the P word I'd anticipated him <laughs> <in> using. <laughs>
1: Are they the thing that the reason that she's not being fired is because they're saying her bullying was unintentional? Well, unintentional murder is still called manslaughter. <laughs> There's still a penalty involved. It's called nuance. Look it up, Boris. And while you're there, get a fucking <laughs> haircut. <laughs> Sorry. Oh,
3: and just but just the shit cherry on the fecal cake of all of this is that it's also. Anti Bullying Week.
1: Yeah. <laughs> ah! It's
3: part of an education initiative by the Department for Education for less bullying. <laughs> so that's, there you go, Britain. What a week, this- what a country. <laughs>
0: In other Boris Johnson news, uh, Boris Johnson has told Scotland to go f itself. Um, not uh, not quite in those words, but he has uh, he told a virtual meeting of Conservative MPs that devolution has been "quotes a disaster." Uh, in Scotland. I mean, there might be a subtext of these compl- complicated word. I mean, I guess the point he was trying to make maybe, tangentially, is that he is a career buffoon who shouldn't be left alone and unattended in tar- charge of a kid's glockenspiel, let alone a whole fucking country. <laughs> I'm reading between the lines there, of course. But, I mean, it, it is a bit of a weird thing to say, given that he bangs on about how much he loves the United Kingdom and he hosts the Conservative and Unionist Party. Now, I guess, if you, when you really, really care about the United Kingdom and want to keep it together, the best strategy is firstly to leave a mutually beneficial economic powerhouse cooperative trade bloc against the wishes of the people in two of your four constituent nations, causing potentially decades of economic turmoil, and then tell the people of those nations that they can't be trusted with their own countries and need some twat from Eton to tell them what's good for them. That is rock-solid tactics. The SNP uh, Member of Parliament, Drew Henry, uh, described Boris Johnson's comments as underlining the contempt that he has for the people of Scotland. Well... Don't think you're so special, Scotland. Boris Johnson has contempt (laughs) for everyone.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's hard not to hear that remark and assume Boris Johnson would have heard it and been like, thank you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Andy, what's, what's behind me in my virtual background?
0: Oh, well, since you asked, Chris, it looks very much like a 2020 edition Bugle Christmas jumper. Of which there are still some available, I believe. Uh, Chris, there's also some new uh, lines in the uh, ex- hugely extensive bugle merch range uh, coming out. Uh, talk, talk us through it.
2: Yeah, I, I was I was wondering if you might pass that over, Andy. It appears that yeah. you've already forgotten what you signed off. <laughs> <laughs> God, guys, the tone, the the ease with
3: which you guys segue from the sort of chat into the heavily
2: scripted advertising
3: material <laughs> is mind-blowing stuff
2: <laughs> Go to the buglepodcast.com and from Black Friday you can get a Bugle scarf and a Bugle bobble hat and a half a glass of water t-shirt
0: Well, can't say fairer than that, that is all your Christmas shopping sorted. I'm going to
1: get a jumper, I love it Orange is not my colour but I want it, it kind of looks like it's Christmas <laughs> and Halloween at the same time
0: Oh yes, yeah, it's got got it's, it's a real holiday a, jumper. It's got a thousand household uses. <laughs> Australia news now and uh well there's been um well a lot of lockdown issues uh, in Australia a lot of uh confusion mm. and uh, a lot of people stuck in hotels getting increasingly uh, agitated. Um and it's affected the Australian uh, cricket team now uh, Felicity we did um uh, we've done a cricket podcast over the years uh, on sort of Anglo-Australian cricket. And I know you're in very close contact with uh, the Australian cricket captain, uh, Tim Payne.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, look, self-iso madness ahead of the One Day International and Test Summer Series coming up. Your friend and mine, uh, Captain Tim Payne, has been asked to go into self-isolation ahead of the games as Adelaide has had a surge of new COVID cases. Um, the restrictions are the toughest enforced in Australia so far. For a six-day lockdown, there's no leaving the house for the entire time, no exercise. Masks are imperative if you leave the house for food, shopping or medical essentials, and only one person can go to do that. Um, the South Australian Premier, Stephen Marshall, <laughs> has said the most aggressive and Australian uh, message to to his people about why we're doing this. So this is an elected official said this. He said that the state was going hard and going early. And then he said, we cannot wait to see how bad this becomes, which could be easily misread as, we cannot wait to see how bad yeah. this becomes. Very important to look at inflection there. Um, well, so that,
0: isn't that that's the Australian government's policy to the environment as well, isn't it? We, we can't, can't wait to, wait to see, to how, see bad how
1: bad this, this becomes. Yeah, it's a joy. <laughs> Very exciting stuff. It's got them on the edge of their seat. Um, So they've had a surge, and and you can't imagine how many that is like 10,000 a day, surely. Is it 1,000 a day? As the population is much smaller, there, it it can't be that big. Let me just Google it. Well, that must be a mistake. It says here that the number of new COVID cases has ballooned to 22. Do they mean 22,000? No, they mean. It must be. They mean 22. That's a slightly different approach to the UK, but, you know, each (laughs) is their own. Um, So due to my very close relationship with Tim Tam, um, I have an excerpt from his upcoming autobiography slash diary slash call it how I see it, no holds barred, expose, called no pain, no gain. Dear me, I am writing this from my hotel room in Adelaide, or as the rest of Australia call it, Radelaide or as I'd like to dedicate it to my parents, Mum and Adelaide. The news has told me that there's been a contagion breakout of the Corolla virus. And it's true. There are many Toyota Corollas in Adelaide. I hope people can afford newer cars soon. But it's always hard with the economic downturn of a pandemic. The news was so boring, so I watched contagion to get a more accurate picture of what's going on. Really surprised how many monkeys are involved seeing as though the only ones I've seen since I've been here are the ones at Adelaide Zoo. But come to think of it, they did look suspicious. I've been wondering how the Corollas will affect the upcoming One Day International and Test Summer Series. It shouldn't be a problem, seeing as though we're sponsored by Toyota, but everyone seems to be getting sick from it. Maybe they just need a tune-up. I've been sitting in my apartment for three days now. I haven't seen anyone. I have watched Grease 1 and Grease 2 and the backlog of Gardener's World with Monty Don. (laughs) I really got into it in the UK Last Ashes series. You remember when I opted to bowl at the Oval, even though that was a (laughs) f***ing stupid thing to do? Yeah, well, I finally came to that realisation on day three and I decided to dissociate from reality by watching gardening programs. Well, I'm happy to report that my rhododendrons are an explosion of colour around my humble garden, and I still haven't revisited the emotional repercussions of that career decision. I'm sure it will never come up over too many beers and being called Timbo the Bimbo one too many times by middle management bullies in Cricket Australia. (laughs) So that's the hot take, Andy.
0: Right. Well, good good to see he's soldering soldering through. Straight out of
1: Mum and Dadelaide. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, it was <laughs> a ridiculous decision.
1: Oh, I mean, what a fucking <laughs> dumb <laughs> Sorry. it's Sorry. That's absolute mad cunt behaviour. That's the maddest c*** behaviour. Like, like if you asked a six-year-old, uh, like, ever, you're like, okay, you can play cricket, what do you want to do? You want to bat or bowl? They're like, bat. We've got to be bat. Always bat. You're always bat. And this one, where we could bat... And it was a good day to bat. We should have f***ing batted, Andy.
0: Yeah. Well. Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, Felicity, have you got any shows or uh, uh, other podcasts that you'd like to tell our listeners about?
1: I don't know, mate. <laughs>
0: I got brain do.
1: damage. I had a baby. There's nothing left. If it's not written down, it doesn't get said, okay? I don't know. Check with my agent. Shut oh, up, Andy. Fuck. Go get I your always, agent on with you next Why are you always hammering me with questions?
3: Uh I on December the third, uh I a stand up show of mine called Ruminations on the Nature of Subjectivity uh is going to uh appear. I believe that's the word, on Amazon Prime. Ooh, it's going to operate onto Amazon Prime uh, as part of the Soho Theatre, uh, which is a wonderful venue for comedy in London, uh, have recorded a bunch of specials in there. So there's some, there's some great shows going on there. Lazy Susan's show, one of my favourite ever sketch shows. Um, uh, Adithi Mittal, Bugler. Will they be available globally? Wonderful question. No idea. <laughs> but in my experience of the audience of this podcast... It, that is not an impediment to you people interacting with this. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to, and this is said with love, be a pack of f***ing criminals. So that's all i say.
1: Uh, well,
0: there we go, buglers. Uh, that's. I, I might be doing a show at the end of the year as well, but I haven't fully decided. So uh, there we go. We've all plugged something. Yeah. Um, until next week, uh, goodbye, and we will now play you out with some more lies about our premium voluntary subscribers. To join them, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button to make a one-off or recurring donation to help keep the show free, flourishing, and independent. Goodbye. Daniel Gersh was delighted to triumph in a competition to win a year's supply of fish. However, he was subsequently disappointed when that year's supply of fish was delivered in one go on the 1st of January, dumped off the back of a lorry outside his front door. The novelty of rotting sardines had definitely worn off by mid-March, confirms Daniel. Sam Moore thinks that nations should appoint an official arch-enemy. Sam explains, we have archbishops, so we know who the bishopiest bishop is, so why not arch-enemies? It would help us prioritize our general geopolitical and social concerns, as well as our defense budgets. Tony Cook often wonders what today's celebrities would have done if they'd been alive in the past. He thinks that 1980s tennis star Pam Shriver would have been a sculptor, actor James Woods would have been an exorcist, but not a particularly good one, and rock star Keith Richards would have been a very badly behaved Pope. Eli Luoma is disappointed about how few accidental discoveries have been made in history, Whilst penicillin, the microwave oven and Velcro are all great, says Eli, it seems a shame that no one has accidentally discovered a type of bread that makes you levitate or a self-warming shoe. Rob Hamilton has been thinking a great deal about alternative non-custodial and retributive sentences for less serious crimes to ease pressure on the world's prisons. Rob theorises, I reckon if a would-be criminal knew, for example, that they could have their TV remote controlled by the victim of their crimes for the next 10 years, they would think very carefully before nicking that temptingly stealable garden gnome. David Cooper is much taken with the idea of irritating rather than custodial sentences and adds that he thinks a ban on using any form of cup or glass would be really crime-preventingly irritating as would being forced to use light bulbs programmed to blow after 25 minutes use and a legal obligation to use a kettle that beeps loudly for half an hour every time you boil it. A correspondent known as Dr. Crazy Cat Lady regrets that life has become less spontaneous and believes that the government should launch an official new programme to re-establish spontaneity in society through various well-organised schemes to train people how to live more off-the-cuffly over a perhaps 10-20 to year period. You're right, it is a bit counterintuitive, says Dr. Crazy Cat Lady, but I reckon it could work. Just give it a bit of time. John Spratt managed to convince a credulous work colleague that, amongst his many legacies in the English language, Shakespeare invented the phrases Few Water Scorcher, Good Golly Miss Molly, and Pull My Finger, as well as writing a character called Corporal Craphead in the first draft of Othello. Gaetan Bayoy, whose surname is frankly an absolute mess of vowels and the letter L, thinks that the phrase, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys, is not actually valid. Gaetan explains, I once tried to pay for an original 1960s vinyl of Last Train to Clarksville by the Monkees with a tub of dry roasted peanuts to what I thought was the equivalent financial value of the record. And, well let me tell you, I did not get monkeys. I got a strongly worded invitation to leave the shop as quickly as possible. And finally, Steve Tarry had an almost equal and opposite experience. I found a set of keys in a hedge when walking near a monastery, relates Steve. Don't ask, he adds. Anyway, I took them to the monastery's lost property office and they were absolutely delighted. Yes, they said, we can finally get into our soft play area again. In gratitude, they gave me, in exchange for the keys, a book of Charlie Brown cartoons. So effectively, I paid Monk Keys, I got peanuts. Here endeth this week's lies. Go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button.
2: Hi, it's producer Chris from the Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss lime bikes, Teslas, the London Overground,